KMTT, Kimitzion, Tetzei Torah, Udvar Hashem, Yerushalayim. www.kimitzion.org Having a new week. Today is Monday. As on every Monday, today's shiur will be the shiur in the mitzvah HaShavuit, the weekly mitzvah, Harav Binyamin Tavori. The shir today will deal with the chait of Miriam in Parashat Ba'alotcha and a general explanation of the concept of Ikarei Ha'emunah, the basic tenets of Jewish belief. Miriam spoke, interestingly enough, the Chumash says, Vatadaber Miriam ve'Aaron. Miriam and Aaron both spoke. But Vatidaber, the female form, apparently means that Miriam was the main spokeswoman, even though it seems that Aaron was involved in the conversation. Nevertheless, the punishment, of course, is meted out to Miriam, and we have to understand what was the sin of Miriam. Obviously, the simple interpretation would be that Miriam sinned in speaking Lashon Hara about Moshe Rabbeinu. She said things that are improper to speak, what we call Lashon Hara, against Moshe Rabbeinu himself. And it seems to be that it relates to the fact that Moshe took Isha Kushit, Moshe took this woman as a wife. Some interpretations have it that Moshe was castigated by Miriam for taking such a wife, others said he was castigated for abandoning his wife. Be that as it may, Miriam said, basically, the words that she said are, Harak ach b'moshe diber Hashem, halo gambanu diber. Is it that HaKadosh Baruch Hu only spoke with Moshe? He spoke to us. He spoke with us as well. And that, apparently, is considered... Lashon Hara. The Rambam, in the end of Hilchas Tumas Tsaras, we have a tradition that the, the punishment of Tsaras, of a type of leprosy, is due to the sin of Lashon Hara. And the Rambam, in an Agadic section at the end of Tumas Tsaras, says, look at Miriam, Shelod dibra bignut achia, ela Look at Miriam, who really, what did she do? She didn't speak so badly about Moshe, but she just said, <coughs> We are also Nevi'im. Moshe is a Navi, we're Nevi'im. And you see the severity of the punishment, so much more so for the people who actually speak Lashon Hara. Now, if we would interpret that the sin of Miriam is merely that of Lashon Hara, fine, that would explain the Rambam in in Hilchos Tumas Saras that we mentioned above. However, among the Ikari Amuna, among the tenets of Jewish belief, there is a specific belief to believe an imamin benevuas Moshe Rabbeinu. Besides the regular Amuna, the regular belief, the regular principle of belief in prophecy and nevuah in general, there is a specific principle 
to believe in the Vuas Moshe. To say that Moshe Rabbeinu was one of a kind was unique. It would see there it would seem therefore that Miriam who spoke and and said that basically all Nevi'im were the same. Harakach b'Moshe diber Hashem alogam banu diber. Hakadosh Baruch who spoke to us similarly to the way he spoke to Moshe is not just guilty of lashon hara. In fact, what she did contradicted a principle of Jewish belief, and the Rambam seems to think that the Kavachomer, when we see that how severe lashon hara is, we can learn it from Miriam. According to what we're saying, you shouldn't be able to learn anything from Miriam. Miriam's punishment was due to the fact that she, in, in a sense, it's hard to say these words about Miriam Hanavia, but for the purpose of our discussion, I would use these harsh words. Miriam seems to have been a Kofaras Beaker. Miriam seemed to have been a person who denied one of the basic principles of Judaism. This question was asked by Rebbe Hanan Vasiman. And his answer was suggested that the principles of faith were given to us. We have a tradition what the principles of faith are. Before they were stated, there was no specific requirement to anticipate these these beliefs of faith. Miriam spoke and said at that time a legitimate statement. She equated herself to Moshe Rabbeinu, and at that time it was legitimate. Of course, as the Ramam said in, in his Hilchas Thomas Saras, this seems to be a Lashon Hara problem, but it doesn't seem to be a Kfira problem. After HaKadosh Baruch Hu answered, Lo chein avdi Moshe, b'chol beisi nemanu, pe'al pe'ada bebo, b'marev lo v'chidos, u'smunas Hashem yabit, said, no, Moshe is not like anybody else. He's sui generis. He's unique, one of a kind. Why were you not afraid of speaking about my servant, about Moshe? This statement of Rebbe Chanan that Miriam was not Kofa Be'ikar is probably predicated upon something that he himself said, that Rebbe Hanan said, in the previous section of his classic work, Kovetz Ma'amarim. In that sefer, in Kovetz Ma'amarim, Rebbe Hanan quotes the very famous Rambam, in Hilchas Tshuva, Peregimel Halacha Zayin. The Rambam is there presents a list of people who are considered minim. For our purposes, we will call a min an apostate. Someone who is has left the pale of Orthodox Judaism. He's beyond the pale of Orthodox Judaism. And the Rambam gives some examples. One of them is Ha'omer She'en Shemeloah. Someone who says, there is no God. Someone who says, perhaps he does believe in God, but he believes in a dual God or a trinity. And then the Ramam says the one that we will discuss primarily, Ha'omer she'yesha mibon echad 
Someone who does believe in God, but he believes that God is corporeal. He denies the concept of incorporeality. The Ra'avad is well known on that Rambam, that the Ra'avad says, Lama karala zemin. Why should this person be called a min, an apostate? Kama gedolim v'tovim imenu halchu bezuem machshava l'fima shera'u b'mikraot. Now, it's, of course, the word mimenu has been a subject of debate what the Ravid meant. We will not enter that debate right now. But the Ravid says there are many, many great people who did think that God was corporeal. In the world of Jewish thought, in the world of Jewish philosophy, we can trace the authorities, the well-known Jewish thinkers who really somehow believed in the corporeality of God. In, in a book that created a big uh, uh, issue in America, uh, Professor Mark Shapiro wrote a book about the principles of Jewish faith, and he showed there, he tried to demonstrate how every one of the 13 principles was an issue of debate. They were not all accepted as uh, simply in, as the Rambam stated them. This issue particularly, the Ravid says, many people disagreed with the Rambam. And then he goes on and to say, They read the Torah. They saw Scripture. And even more than Scripture, they learned certain Agadic sections of uh, Talmud, of Midrash, that somehow confused them. So, the Ravid basically says, first of all, there are people who believe in the corporeality of God who are well known to be famous Orthodox Jews. It's inconceivable in his mind that these people are beyond the pale. Secondly, the Ravid said, the Psukim, the scripture, or the Agadot, those legends, somehow confuse these people. So that means that they made a mistake person innocently read the Torah it says for example you can see the back of God but not the front now we'll interpret that metaphorically that you can see perhaps God in retrospect after years after a historical event perhaps we can put it into its proper perspective at the present time as history develops, it's harder to understand the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Perhaps that's one way of interpreting this Pasuk. But the Ravid says, for example, that this Pasuk m- might have been interpreted literally by people. A simple, well-meaning Jew goes to Shul on Shabbos, he reads the Torah, and he hears, and he thinks it means you can see the back of God, but not the front. God has the back, God has the front. So the Ravid says, it's somehow it's not fair. Because he was a well-meaning person. If, if he would have done an Avera in a, uh, let's say, Chilul Shabbos, let's say a person had, had desecrated Shabbos, but he thought what he did was certainly permitted. In Hebrew, it's called Haomer Mutar. A person does, did something on Shabbos that he thought was permitted. Now, perhaps he's wrong, but you wouldn't call him an Apikaris, you wouldn't call him a Min, 
you would say at most he's a shogeg, he's an onus, he, he did something unintentionally, perhaps it's even considered onus, that it's unavoidable under the present circumstances. But why would you call him an apikaris? The pasuk itauto, the pasuk itself misled him. Rabbi Hanan said a very famous pithy comment of Reb Chaim. The comment is there is no concept of shogeg in kfira. When we talk about blasphemy, we talk about the lack of belief. There's no such thing as a person who did it unintentionally. Or the concept that I said before of omemuter. The first sentence that he says, I won't go into the elaboration that he says afterwards, but the pithy comment of Rebbe Chanan quotes the name of Rebbe Chaim, Dervas is nebech and apikeres is oich and apikeres. A person who nebech, I feel sorry for him, a nebech, a person who's apikeres, the bottom line is he's apikeres. In belief of Judaism, there's no room for mistakes and errors. It's said in the name of Reb Chaim that people don't make mistakes in things that are important to them. When I was in the Shia of Reb Aaron Salavechik in Yeshiva University, he taught Perika Azov, Ezeu Neshech. There's a long Tosfus there called Tagre Lud. A Tosfus there about the merchants of the city of Lud. And their arguments are very, very complicated, somewhat at times seem convoluted. Very difficult Tosfus, a full page of Tosfus to discuss the various arguments and claims of the Tagre Lud. And Rebaran at that time asked, do you think the Tagre Lud were such scholars? They could anticipate all the questions of Tosfus and all the answers and all the lambdas that went into that Tosfus? His answer was, it seems to me in the name of other members of his family, he said that when it comes to your business, everybody knows your own business. It's true that Tagre Lud might not have been intellectuals, but when it came to dealing with finance, with their issues, they somehow anticipated and understood every possible financial argument that could be. We would say, based on that principle, that if a person made a mistake in Ikari Amuna, a person made a mistake in the principles of belief, then it shows that Judaism, Yiddishkeit, is not his business. A person doesn't make mistakes in his own business, something that matters to him. So in the world of Amuna, there's no room for mistakes. This seems to be the premise of Reb Chaim, because one might have said simply that Miriam made a mistake. Why did the Rebbe Hanan ask, how could it be that Miriam said something that seems to be kfir? And he had to resort to the answer that it wasn't really considered kfir until Miriam, until it was so stated by a Kaddish Baruch Hu. He could have answered more simply, that's true, that Miriam made a mistake. But Rebbe Hanan said, if it had been a principle of Judaism, if the principle had been somehow formulated, it's inconceivable that a person like Miriam would have made a mistake. A person who makes a mistake, Nebuch still made the mistake, it is an epicurus. This doesn't mean that we have to treat these, this particular epicurus like an epicurus. 
The Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva is referring to to status as determined by HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. The Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva, to the best of my understanding, has no practical ramification for us in this world how we would treat people. This person is labeled an Apikaris, true. But how do you treat an Apikaris? The Rambam in Hilchas Mamrim has a section that is very interesting, partly because the censorship and the changes today, when we have more availability toward ancient manuscripts, is very, very interesting. I'll read the Rambam according to the way that I have in standard Rambams, but without with, uh, without res- relating to the modern uh, text that we found in different libraries. The Rambam in Hilchas Mamrim says that a person who is a real apikaris, a person who is really an apostate, the Rambam says is Moridim Ve'enamali. Such a person we should treat in a way that we would actually not save his life. We should, if possible, arrange, not directly, rather indirectly, to remove him. The Rambam says in Hilchas Mamim Paragimel Halacha Days. Sh- these people are not Bichlal Yisrael. A person who is a real Apikaris is not Bichlal Yisrael. And the Rambam says, but however, their children and those that have made mistakes, Harehu Ketinog Shenishba. There the Rambam says this person who made the mistake, a child, an innocent child, who was brought up in a poor culture, in a culture which did not teach him the values of Judaism, the Rambam said he's considered as an anus. He is not culpable. And the Rambam says, it is appropriate for us to try to be mekai of such people and to bring them with, in a serene and peaceful manner to bring them back to the world of Torah. So, we would not treat a person who is a Tinoch Shanishba as an Apikarius, but that doesn't mean that he's not defined as an Apikarius. A person who doesn't believe in the Ikare Hayadus is indeed, according to the Rambam, the way we explained according to Reb Chaim, an Apikaris. However, there are many people that disagreed with this principle. The number of people that agreed with the principle in general is not the question, but my specific issue right now is how would we treat a person who doesn't believe this principle? We saw the Rambam said, in terms of treating him one thing, but he's labeled an apikaris. The Ravid said, why should he be called an apikaris? People believe that. It's theoretically possible that the Ravid himself thought that this was an acceptable belief. 
This, as I said before, is a major contention. What the Ravid himself thought, and what did he? What was his comment on the Rambam? However, the Radvaz has an interesting tshuva, which also relates to this issue. But here we see one point that he dif- definitely differs from the Rambam. The question there referred to a person who basically said in public that he believed that Moshe Rabbeinu was God. Interestingly enough, we have two separate issues related to the persona of Moshe Rabbeinu, which seem to go from one side of the spectrum to the other end. On one hand, we have Miriam, who compared Moshe to other people. Moshe was not unique. The Radvaz quotes another argument. There were people who treated Moshe Rabbeinu as a god. And the Radvaz goes on to say how utterly wrong this is. And of course, within the realm of Jewish history and understanding other religions, we understand that anybody who would even think of identifying a human being with God is extremely problematic for Judaism, to say it as mildly as I possibly can. But, nevertheless, the question was, if a person did believe such, he really attributed godly qualities to Moshe Rabbeinu, how would we treat him? The Radva says, the Radvaz says this is like anybody else who made a mistake in the tenets and the beliefs of Judaism. We would not call him an Apikaius. He does not deny, he does not say, I do not believe in Judaism. He believes the opposite is true. He thought that he learned correctly, and he thought what he said was valid. So the Radvaz certainly has the opinion that even though the person is totally, totally misguided and wrong, but he's not an Epicurus. So we have learned that the Rambam says anybody who doesn't believe in any of the 13 principles of Judaism is not precarious. The Ra'avad was somewhat problematical in saying that there were people who disagreed. And the Radvaz, who says clearly, even if they would say something wrong, they're making a mistake. But a mistake is not, a, I wouldn't call it legitimate, but you can't call it kfira. Now, the Rambam, of course, is the one who formulated 13 principles of faith. Throughout Jewish history, there are other people who formulated their own lists of the principles of faith. For example, it's known that Rabbi Yosef Albo wrote the Sefer HaIkarim, where he tried somehow to consolidate all the Ikarim into three principles. Torah Medashamayim, the fact that, first of all, there is a God, Metzius Hashem, who gave Torah min Hashamayim, and there's reward and punishment for all that it says in Torah and Mitzvah. So, there were only three principles. And other people, like Rav Chazdai Kreskas, wrote a treatise to explain that there are more principles of Judaism. So, the Chassam Sofer, in an interesting tshuva, was asked about this. 
The Chasam Sofer is found in the last tshuva of Yeridaya. And he was asked, basically, what are the principles of Judaism, and how many, uh, how many really are there? What are the principles of Judaism? And the Chasam Sofer's answer was that this is a purely theoretical discussion which is really not necessary. Because as a halachic Jew, the Chassam Safar simply said, there are 613 principles of Judaism. A person must accept Torah and mitzvah. If a person would deny the existence of one mitzvah, he's basically saying, this mitzvah is not Torah menashamayim. Then he would be labeled an apikaris. The distinction should be here made between a person who transgresses one or more of the laws of the Torah and a person who doesn't believe in one or more of the laws of the Torah. Like most of us, we try to keep Torah and mitzvah, but certain people have certain challenges more with one mitzvah than another, perhaps, but it would be difficult to say or hard to imagine that there's a person who hasn't transgressed one mitzvah. As we know, there's no such thing as a person who hasn't done anything wrong. Does that mean that he's not considered a fine, viable, orthodox Jew? Of course not. A person who stumbled in one Avera, did not fulfill one mitzvah, stumbled. But the bottom line is he could be considered a tzaddik. As we said, even the tzaddik, even the greatest tzaddikim have done something wrong. So, a person who does not fulfill a mitzvah of the Torah could be a tzaddik. But if a person gets up and says, I do not believe in one of the mitzvahs of the Torah, then I think that's a contradiction to Torah and Hashemite. And that would be considered not precarious. We have a similar law when we discuss accepting Gerim. If a person will say that he in general he accepts Torah and Mitzvah, in general he'll do it. But if you a convert who is used, for example, to eating a cheeseburger, and you and he comes and says, you know, I agree with Tayag Mitzvahs. I'm not sure if I can withhold the temptation of eating cheeseburgers. One certainly could make an argument that he could be accepted to Judaism, even though you could say this is not a complete acceptance of Torah Mitzvah. The Dvar of Ram has a discussion that he wrote between him and Reb Chaim Ozer about such a case. But one certainly could posit that a person who basically says, I believe in Torah Mitzvah, and I will try to keep Torah Mitzvah, but I know there are temptations along the way, and I'm not sure I will keep all those temptations. That person certainly could be accepted as a Jew. Even if he would say, I will know that I will transgress, I don't want to transgress, but I know my Yetzirah, I know the evil inclination, I know myself, and I know that I will not be able to resist the temptation. Even in that case, one could make a claim that you could accept him. And I said that you have to read the Tshuva of the Dvaravram and see how the post can really relate to this, to this issue. But if a person would get up and say, I don't believe in one mitzvah of the Torah, 612 mitzvahs I believe, but I don't believe in one, it seems to me that you can't accept him for Judaism. He does not believe in Torah Menashe If 
this is true. The Chassam Sofer's argument is, what's the discussion? There's no practical discussion of of how many Ikariya Yadus are. You must accept 613 mitzvahs. At first glance, the Chassam Sofer seems very, very reasonable as a, as a halachic scholar, not involved that much in the world of philosophy. It seems that his argument holds a great deal of water. Halachic Judaism says we have to keep Torah mitzvahs. The philosophic issues, the, the questions of principles of faith, seem to be rather secondary to the concept of keeping Torah mitzvahs. However, using the argument we have thought about and proposed until now, we might be able to suggest the point of the Ikari HaEmunah in a greater detail with more understanding. The laws of Judaism, 613 mitzvahs, should be kept by every Jew. If a person doesn't know the 613 mitzvahs, so he's lacking something in his Jewish education, would I say that there is something inherently, terribly wrong about his Judaism? Yes, he should learn more Torah. That's true. But will I call him an apikarius? I sometimes give an example, take the mitzvah of Reishis Hagez, without explaining what that mitzvah is. I really wonder if the average person who keeps Torah and mitzvahs can tell me exactly, or at least somewhat, what is the mitzvah of Reishis Hagez. But if you know it, fine. If you don't know it, that just means there's more Torah for you to learn. But you're unaware of a mitzvah that's within the realm of Orthodox Judaism. If a person would say, I don't believe in the mitzvah of Reishis Hages, that I don't agree that God commanded us such a mitzvah, that would put him beyond the pale. But with Ikari Amuna, I think we would not use the same concept. In Ikari Amuna, the Rambam, as explained by Rebbe Hanan, means you do have to believe in it. The 13 principles of faith, according to the Rambam, are a requirement for everybody to believe. If he's not, aw- if he denies it, that would be cer- certainly beyond the pale of Judaism. But it's not just if he denies it. If a person is not aware of the Yud Gimeli Karim, then he's also not precarious. These 13 Ikarim must be believed. And otherwise, you're an apikarius nebuch. But an apikarius nebuch is ap- isn't an apikarius. So the ikaria amuna, according to the argument that I presented, are really a foundation of Jewish belief in the respect that this is what a person must believe in it. A person should study the ikaria amuna to understand what are the principles of faith in order to know what he must believe in. And if a person makes a mistake in it, Rahman al-Islam, and God forbid a person should make a mistake, according to Reb Chaim's interpretation, as quoted by Rebbe Chanan, he is yet an apikaris. As I said before, this whole issue has become a purely theoretical one in terms of what God would consider an apikaris. For our purposes, we'll remember the words of the of the Rambam in Hilchus Mamrim and I will briefly allude to the words of the of the Chazonish when he said today 
when how we relate to people who, as yet, are not believers in Torah mitzvah, he uses the phrase that we should tie them with binds of love. Ba'avotot ahava. We should extend our love, teach, be makari of people, in order to teach them the yesodot emunah and bring them within the fold of Orthodox Judaism.